And hello to you, Dennis Stewart. Last week, we were going to talk about important herbs for digestive conditions, but um, we got waylaid by some other interesting topics. We did, Jane, we did. And that was good. So Mm. we might get on to these herbs today, um, Mm. but you've got a little story you'd like to share with us. Uh, A happy beekeeping plumber. Very, very interesting, Jane. As most listeners know, I'm an evangelist for beekeeping and the bees themselves. And that is paying off. A couple of days ago, we had a a burst pipe in our home at Cessnock and our friendly plumber almost immediately uh, came out to address the job. And when he uh, got there, I went up to him and said, look, I'm, I'm very sorry, I said, but the pipe seems to be broken quite adjacent to where my beehives are. I said, "Um, you know, um, how do you feel about that? He says, no worry, mate. He says, no worry. He said, the last time I was here doing the same job, your wife gave me some of your honey. And he said, when I tasted the honey and saw the setup that you had in your backyard, he said, I fell in love with bees. He said, have a look at this. And he pulled out his phone and showed me a photograph, and my dear wife, a photograph, of his backyard and the most immaculately kept beehives you've ever seen in your life. So there he was, raging, almost obsessed. I've never seen such a keen a plumber. <laughs> it was gone, if you like, midstream into beekeeping. It was a wonderful conversation, a wonderful plumber, by the way, and, of course, comes from the Hunter Valley where all the best plumbers are. We've got to give them a plug. But isn't that an interesting story? Excellent. Uh, he couldn't wait to come, No, could look, he? it's interesting because my dear wife, who when he was there, I wasn't there, when he concluded the job, and they work very good, they're very good plumbers, these guys, when he finished the work, my wife, as she normally does, uh, gave the, the tradesmen, including this gang, some of our honey. And they're always grateful for that. Uh, but it wasn't meant with any any way to bribe the gentleman. It was a, just a gesture of, look, thanks for coming out so promptly. And and as soon as the plumber walked in, it was almost a love affair with my wife because he and she, right from the start, had discussed bees. And here he was reporting back, if you like, back at, at home base, so to speak. Look at the photographs. Look what you've done. To NURFM's Health and Naturally, 17 past 12. And Dennis Stewart, uh, well, herbs. We were going to talk about some of these herbs, your favourite herbs to help with gut problems. Well, we're going to start on that right away. Interestingly, um, Jan has just uh, rang in to talk about meadowsweet. Um, and it was a herb that I was going to discuss almost immediately because of its relationship uh, to the gut, the upper gut in particular. But... Interestingly, this is one of those paradoxical herbs that puzzles the straight scientist because meadowsweet also has some useful mild analgesic and and mild anti-inflammatory characteristics. And hence, it's very, very frequently used in, in herbal medicine management for the milder forms of muscular and skeletal pain. Hence, this lady ringing up uh, talking about her experience, I think, with fibromyalgia, uh, she's experiencing what meadowsweet can frequently do, even when taken as a simple tea. Now, let me emphasise this. Um, many, many herbs work just as well as concentrated herbal teas as they do as costly, sophisticated capsules or tablets. And meadowsweet is one of those herbs that, in my opinion, is probably best taken as a simple herbal tea, 
a couple of cups of meadowsweet tea a day can equate with more stabilised dosages of solid forms of the herb, as this lady has proven. So th- this is a, a, a puzzling herb because the straight scientist would say, how is it that a herb that has some characteristic anti-inflammatory and analgesic action can at the same time be called up, even in authoritative literature, as being one of the most useful devices for lessening acidity, uh, reflux, even participate in helping manage chronic peptic ulceration? The simple answer is this, that one herb can contain multiple principles, and the fact that this herb functions as a mild anti-inflammatory agent and functions also as a useful remedy against reflux and and other upper gut symptoms means that one chemical in the herb works at one level and the other chemical works at the other level. Each one of them uh, protects each other's action so that here is a herb that has multiple actions due to its multiple chemistries, neither of which conflict with each other. A remarkable herb. When I first started studying herbal medicine many, many, many years ago, um, I used to read the literature of a a famous English herbalist. English herbalists are remarkable people. They fought the good fight when herbal medicine was going through some pretty rough time, when in fact the British uh, Parliament was on the verge of of banning herbal medicine. Uh, uh, It was only the House of Lords which was able to get through what was called the Medicines Act of 1968, which gave to medical herbalists the right to continue practising. Frank Roberts was that of that era, and he wrote a wonderful book, Modern Herbal, Modern Herbal Medicine for Digestive Disorders. And in that, he made the verbose statement that uh, meadowsweet, he referred to it as the normaliser of the stomach. And what he argued was that if there is overactivity, as in, say, what we used to call hyperacidity, or if, in fact, there is a suspicion that there's insufficient gastric activity, um, the herb would work well. Now, he was a very confident writer, influenced me a lot, but in modern times, his ideas on meadowsweet have been confirmed not only in practice here by myself and many other herbalists around the world, particularly in Britain, but also in the literature. The the British Herbal Pharmacopoeia, which I constantly mention, uh, the, the greatest landmark in modern herbal medicine, in my opinion, in the English language, uh, has a monograph on meadowsweet. Its botanical name is Philopendula. And in that monograph, the herb is put forward exactly as I have said. Uh, peptic ulceration, uh, mild arthritic symptomatology, all those sorts of things which allow me to say that for the milder level of symptoms, milder reflux, uh, a lot of what you wouldn't call uh, mainly uh, big state disease conditions, but what we refer to as functional conditions. That is, there's no serious evidence of pathology, but the system is creating symptoms, keeping it simple. Meadowsweet is the herb to think about. I wanted to give it a mention first up today before we start talking about the three major European herbs. Keep in mind that European herbal medicine has developed, if you like, in a, an entirely different um, different stream and a different climate. And th- sometimes their herbs have not been used as frequently and as confidently as they have done in English-speaking countries. Uh, but with reference to the three herbs that we'll take up momentarily, um, that is chamomile, lemon balm and peppermint, 
It is the uh, the German literature in particular, uh, in books such as Dr. Rudolf Weiss's book, Herbal Medicine, that gives us, and I mentioned that book for students of herbal medicine, practitioners of herbal medicine, it is easily the most uh, modern, uh, credible, clinical and scientific text on herbal medicine today. And it was in his text that we learn about these three remarkable remedies that are particularly effective for what I've referred to as functional gut conditions. Lynn's rung in from Chisholm. Lynn, it's all about your fingernails, yes? Yes, it is. Hello, um, Lynn. Hi, Dennis. Um, fingernails are splitting, like uh-huh. downwards, uh-huh. and across my nails they're flaking. Okay. Um, so mm. I've done, um, you know, hard as nails, mm. revita nail. Um, mm. all, uh, the thi- all the things that you should do before you <laughs> press the panic button. Absolutely, okay. and, and you know. Mm. Lynn, yeah. are you, are you um, vegetarian or vegan? No. Okay, because sometimes uh, dietary factors can impact on on things such as this. Not that I have anything personal against either of those dietary routines, other than saying that if one is either of those, uh, if one practices either of those uh, dietary um, regimes one must always uh, monitor uh, one's intake of good quality protein, as I'm sure is always done by people that know what they're doing with those two dietary systems. I'm a bit of a fan of uh, of vegetarianism, but I always mention that because over many years I have seen um, quite a few younger people present who have indiscreetly uh, gone into... Uh, dietary programs without adequate understanding of what was involved and the need to be, you know, just monitoring what they're eating and end up in what I would call um, unfortunate states of health. Um, so that's just put in there as a, as a bit of a, uh, how can you call it, a, a, a confident statement to say to right, people, yeah. li- little things can sometimes indicate bigger things. Now, sure. uh, let me just ask you a few questions. Have you had a word with your GP about it? Yes, I have. Um, he just recommended a, a nail product, hard as nails, something okay. like that. Okay. Um, I just um, wonder, I, I have had um, quite a lot of chemotherapy and mm-hmm. radiation, but uh-huh. that was about, uh, about six years ago now. Yeah. But I had 26 weeks of chemotherapy okay. and eight weeks of radiation. Okay. I'm just wondering if maybe there's something still in my system. Look... It's, it would. I, I wouldn't be prepared to say yay or nay on that because I'm not an expert on uh, chemotherapy. Um, presumably, uh, your blood profile is good. I would be sure of that. Your medical managers would have made sure that all of your um, markers were were back to normal. So, I, I yes. would. I wouldn't feed too much into that. What I what I would suggest is that you try some um, simple things first. In our profession, we place great emphasis on the relationship of particular minerals to, uh, to nail health. And if you have not already used silica, it would be one of the things that I would confidently recommend. Confidently okay. recommend. It is, as you probably know, it's readily available without script, over the counter from our health food stores and pharmacies. Uh, it's a non-toxic substance. But over the years, I have used it in various forms, both for uh, nail conditions and also, interestingly, for hair conditions. So it would be the first starting point. 
uh, go to your pharmacy or your health food store and get a preparation. Sometimes they're, they're named after the conditions for which they're used. I think there's a preparation called um, hair and nails or something like that, which is silica-based. I'd use that as a starting base, but also what I would do while you were there is purchase a broad-spectrum uh, mineral supplement, a broad-spectrum, something that purports to give you all of the levels of minerals that your body might need, which they might not be getting. Now, that's a, a, a big call, but those things are inexpensive. They're worthwhile trying. I would go down that pathway before you, you, you did much more. The only other thing that I would say is, and we mentioned it briefly last week, there's a fascinating substance called allantoin. Now, uh, not many people know about allantoin, but allantoin was uh, one of the basic chemical constituents in the herb comfrey. Now, comfrey is not permitted to be used any longer, but the allantoin found in comfrey is found in other uh, substances as well, and it can be purchased as a powder, and it's taken in very, very very, very low doses, even though it's very safe. And whilst it's primarily used to promote uh, the knitting of bones, where you get conditions where the bones are very reluctant to heal, it has also developed a broadened reputation where it can be used in other conditions, and it might be worthwhile, uh, if the use of silica fails, to think of allantoin, which is not that easy to get, not because it's, it's rare or anything, but no one stocks it, but your pharmacist uh, or, or a herbalist may have it. Try that direction. I think that might be able to help. Thank you very much. That um, sounds good, and I will go and get all of that stuff today. Thank you. It is Health Naturally on 2NURFM with Dennis Stewart. We're taking your questions. And Steve has rung in from Lambton. Now, Steve, your father has early dementia. Yes, he uh, does. Yes, Hello, Steve. How can we help? Well, Dennis, I've been told about a, uh, a an oil, an MCT oil. It's about um, uh, a coconut-based, I think, uh, oil that uh, is supposed to help um, uh, memory loss and um, and uh, sort of spur spur the body into thinking a little bit better. Is that so or not? Well, um, I'm not really familiar with what the term. MCT means. Uh, is, uh, is, uh, have you a, an interpretation of what that stands for? No, I don't. It's just that's what it says. Uh, it says on the bottle, it's MCT. It's a coconut base. It's just a pure, uh, pure coconut. Uh, it's got no no taste to it or anything. And no other no other active constituents with it. No, no. Oh, look, Steve. I'm reluctant to be um, negative, but. Coconut oils, coconut oil. Um, as, far, as far as I'm aware, and, and, and as far as I'm aware, I'll preface my remarks by that. Yeah. As far as I'm aware, it has no uh, what I would consider to be credible, uh, proven benefits to be able to retrieve um, memory loss or anything like that. Um, right. But but who am I? I'm giving an opinion. I, I unless. <laughs> I'm only asking the question, yeah, exactly. Unless, exactly. unless there was something uh, in the oil other than uh -huh. just straight coconut oil, uh, some, mm. sometimes coconut oil is used as a carrying substance. Right. In other words, uh, for instance, uh, as far as I'm aware, some 
and cannabis-based products, uh, cannabis oil products, from what I understand. I'm not certain on this. Sometimes yeah. sometimes uh, coconut oil is used as a carrier oil for that, mm-hmm. uh, and there's a basis for that. Mm-hmm. But, but on this, I'd be, I'd be cautiously sceptical. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, I mean, coconut oil is it's, it's a good... Uh, it's a good oil. It's a general health measure. It might be okay, um, yeah. but outside of that, I, I always with um, how how um, advanced is is your dad? Well, it's, it's only very very mild. But it, it, I just um, reading up and uh, with my son-in-law and that, and we just uh, yeah, we come up well, this, this oil. Okay. Like I said, I don't know the, okay. the all it says is MCT. Okay. I got it from a health shop, so. Okay. Uh, I just can't, I, I can't tell you the the, okay. the full name of it. Okay, Steve. What, I, what yeah. I what I would consider you do mm-hmm. is, is this: um, there are substances out there now that have reasonable um, support for the claims that they make uh, to be useful in addressing the symptoms of early dementia. Mm-hmm. And you would have heard me talk uh, for many years yes, yes. about ginkgo biloba. Now, yep. ginkgo biloba is, to my opinion, still uh, the best documented, credible substance to be taken chronically, particularly from the early stages of the condition, um, to give you to give some expected benefit. Um, uh-huh. I, I, I have uh, the text of a conference that was held in New York, or quite a few years ago now, and the. Uh, Professor Rapin was the chap that chaired the conference, and I remember in the preface to the uh, conference's uh, proceedings, he made the statement that at that stage, uh, ginkgo biloba offered the best hope uh, for dementia. Now, that was some time ago, uh, but it has encouraged me to uh, see it as a very useful substance, and I have recommended it, and... um, uh, not that I'm demented, but I take it myself because I believe it has potential to lessen some of the um, cognitive deficits that can occur as we get older. But yeah, yeah, have a look sure. at have a look at that. But I will intrigue you with what I'm going to say now. There is a herb whose name doesn't give uh, the overall level of indications for it. There uh-huh. is a, there is a herb called Orthosiphon stamineus. Now that's its botanical wow. that's its botanical name, but it is known as Java kidney tea. Java kidney tea. It okay. is it is known in Malaysia as Kumas Kuching. Now, when the Dutch, uh, or in the East Indies as we used to call it, and uh, were, were the colonisers of Indonesia, they saw the way in which this herb was used primarily to address kidney problems and that is where I have mainly used it, and I'll be talking quite excitingly about this at a conference in a couple of weeks. But get on the net, have a look, uh, punch in Wikipedia, and, and, and have a look at um, orthosiphon stamineus or Java kidney tea, and, you'll be, kidney tea, and yep. you'll, you'll be excited there at the way in which this herb is being put forward as having potential to address some symptoms associated with early dementia. Now, I'll go okay. no further than that because I don't want to be seen as a quack. I'm excited. <laughs> no. I'm excited because I'll, I'll, I'll say something that further intrigues me and will stimulate our conversation. The herb rosemary, we yep. frequently make the statement, oh, rosemary for remembrance. Well, mm-hmm. really, really, it's rosemary for memory. 
And rosemary has long been used in European tradition, in European tradition, as a herb primarily to address memory deficit. Yep. The fact that we, we wear it on Anzac Day, etc., is, is wonderful, uh, but in fact it's a herb that has a reputation, a folk uh, reputation, for early cognitive deficit. Now, the yep. interesting thing is, if that is so, rosemary the herb contains a chemical constituent known as rosemaranic acid, rosemaranic acid. Now, interestingly, Java kidney tea contains rosemaranic acid. That's what, right. makes, that's what make me, makes me think that there's a connection here and that the claim's being made. And when you read the article from Wikipedia, you'll see that I'm not going over the top. Oh, no, definitely not going over. Sorry. I mean, we, I listen to your program. I mean, yes. we, uh, you know, our, our radio in the office and in the car is always on to you. So we listen to your program. Good. And, and being from an ethnic background, mine, yes. my mum's my very, very much so on, um, you know, uh, mint teas and, yeah. uh, and, and parsley Good and the rest it. of those things. Yeah, so, all, so all those things yes. I, 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 you know, I've grown up with. Of course. And, and look, that's, that's, that's a wonderful thing. About, yeah. about where we're at in this country, that uh, the, the, the multicultural nature of it has meant that we've got all the input of all these yeah. cultures that have made our understanding of the world and even medicine mm. a lot better. Uh, but you have a look at that, both those herbs, ginkgo uh, okay. and um, java kidney tea, are very safe, albeit with the ginkgo. Uh, mm. If your dad is on, on blood thinning medication, etc., no, you should, you no, should discuss no, that. No, the only, the, only, the only medication he takes is half a half a blood pressure tap out of a night time, and he's eighty four. Nothing else. Well, he's in the same ballpark as I, I am because yeah. that's all I take as well. <laughs> yeah, well, to 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 yeah, Mediterranean sort of um, uh, diet, and then that's, uh, that's that's all you need. Well, you, you tell him to keep on that. He would have. Uh, is is he Greek? No, Macedonian. Oh, uh, well, close. 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 Very close. <laughs> close. Well, you know, Alexander the Great had pretty good genes, you know. He, t he took on half the world <laughs> and won every battle, so he must yeah. have had a few herbs going for him. I'd say so. I'd say so. Right. I appreciate you taking my call, Dennis. Good on you, mate. Okay, Thanks thank you. for your call, Steve. Uh, now, Jenny was also ringing about uh, memory loss, but um, I, I think she's had to go, and I hope she was listening to that. Yeah, yeah. However, we did have a call from Carolyn, from Newcastle East. She's not on the line now, but okay. she rang, uh, rang in to ask if uh, spirulina is good for general health. Uh, Carolyn, look, for general health purposes, I would say, yes, it's useful. Um, it has developed uh, a place in the market, so there is a demand for it. Um, it's not a substance that uh, thrills me, but um, uh, people use it because it's of its purported protein levels. A lot of vegetarians use it, certainly as a general health measure. If you're into using things like that, I'd encourage it. I, I tend to go a lot more for things like uh, seaweed and things like that, which are probably in the same ballpark. So that, I hope, answers your question. And, uh, well, we've... 
at least Sally Arden, the office, has spoken to Jenny, who uh, isn't on the line. But um, just to add to what she was saying about memory loss, she had severe trauma in her life. She's a carer and has had her life threatened many times and doesn't retain much now. So things, important things like ages and birthdays of grandkids. And look, I think think there's an important point here. Um, uh, Memory loss or whatever you like to call it uh, is something that can be related um, not only to to aging but can be related in my opinion to trauma Mm -hmm. the blocking out of things um, that's a perfectly understandable thing so it's probably unfair for the recommendations that I've been making today about perhaps trying these herbs to be applicable for all cases I think that would be unfair I think it's uh, in those situations where where memory loss or blocking out of things is occurring, that is something only that can be worked through by the person themselves with a good counsellor, a good psychotherapist, a good psychologist. Dennis Stewart and Health Naturally today on 2NURFM and we are taking your calls. Bruce has rung in from Rutherford. Bruce, you've got a question about carver and its efficacy perhaps for prostate cancer, yes? Prostate, or just prostate problem at the moment. Prostate problem is good. (laughs) So what would you like to ask Dennis? I didn't quite hear it. I've heard him on twice to sort of miss most of it. The other question I'd like to ask is how do we get get you to listen back on what you said already on this show? I think you can but I haven't managed to do it yet. Oh, you mean how can you how can you retrieve previous programs? Yeah, pre- previous programs. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. Jane might you... like to tell you how to do that. <laughs> the best way of doing it is if you can go to the computer to our webpage to nurfm.com.au and find the Health Naturally page. You will or go to the podcasts page, then you'll be able to find the podcast and listen to it there. Podcast of Health Naturally is what you're after. Right, you can go to the computer right now. Need the computer, yeah. <laughs> See, unless you've got the app on your phone, that's another way of doing it. Doing your R app, is it? Yep, right that's right. Yes, and you yeah, can listen well, there. Very easy to one, listen. Yeah. Okay, Bruce. Okay. Right. Yeah, very what, good. What, very what good. I'll do is an- answer your question. Um, I'm not aware of Carver having any direct activity on prostate cancer, but... Carver is a herb that is documented, even in the British Herbal Pharmacopoeia, as being useful for some prostate conditions. When a, a gentleman has something like prostatitis, that is inflammation of the prostate gland, Carver has a good reputation of being able to participate in addressing those symptoms and helping resolve them regardless of whether other medications, conventional medicines or whatever are prescribed. So certainly for something like inflammation of the prostate gland, which can be painful and which can have some inhibiting effect on on urination, it is something to think about. The other thing is there is a potential here uh, for the herb to be useful in assisting a urinary activity. In In other words, perhaps improving the stream and, and lessening frequency. But as for being used in prostate cancer, I, I, ha- I have nothing that would enable me to say, yes, go for it. In lesser conditions, particularly inflammatory activity, it could be, it could be useful. Yes. 
I don't have cancer as far as I know. Good, good. It's just the other, just the other stuff, the stream and the quantity and the uh, are you taking, pain. Of, are you taking anything for that, um, Bruce? Only some herbal medicine, Norma. Okay. Are you using saw palmetto? No, I don't think so. Okay. Look, uh, seeing you've, you've rung about the prostate, let me just say that uh, in Western herbal medicine, that herb, above all others, is the one that has the best reputation. Now, saw palmito, S-A-W-P-A-L-M-E-T-T-O. Some people say saw palmito. Well, I say saw palmito. It's actually a palm tree which develops berries, and those berries have been shown to have a significant um, chemistry associated with them, which is useful in addressing certainly uh, the early uh, stages of prostate enlargement. It's not a cure for the condition. It is something which will participate and help uh, the earlier stage of it and perhaps lessen the drift towards a more serious level. And how did you spell that again? S-A-W? S-A-W-P-A-L P-A-L M-E-T-T-O M-E-T-T-O Now you're at Rutherford. If you go to your pharmacy, they would be bound to have, or your health food store, they would be bound to to have a preparation with saw palmito. All the very best with that, Bruce. Uh, Caroline's on the line now. Dennis from the junction. Carolyn, I'm sorry. And uh, your husband has a problem with lots and lots of mucus, I gather. Yes, yes he does. <laughs> okay, yeah, um, he's seen a specialist and yes. he's had the camera up and yes, he just produces it all the time. He's had... Massive courses of antibiotics. He yes. uses nasal sprays. Yes. He does nasal washes. Yes. Everything. He serves, so he washes it out there, but it just keeps okay. coming. So the, 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 the mucus that's being produced is coming from the upper respiratory tract, his sinuses? Yes. Okay. Yes, from his sinuses. Well, look, I think there's some useful things for him to try, which uh, will not clash with any medical management he's having. Uh, the first thing to realise is that there are a handful of herbs, and I'll enumerate them for you, the ones that, that are perhaps most popularly used in Western herbal medicine. Interestingly, the, the herb eyebright. Oh, could you spell that, please? Eyebright, E-Y-E-B-R-I-G-H-T, eyebright. Oh, yes. Uh, it's a leading one. Elder, E-L-D-E-R. Mm-hmm. Ground ivy, I-V-Y. And the herb fenugreek, F-E-N-U-G-R-E-E-K, fenugreek. Now, a professional herbalist or a compounding pharmacist could put those together for you or your husband in a mixture and dose-relate it. Otherwise, you could purchase those herbs individually, uh, trying one at a time if you were to do so. I would suggest, for instance, start off uh, with fenugreek. It's uh, simple, it's inexpensive, one can purchase it in numerous forms. Uh, mm-hmm. If that doesn't give any benefit, move up the ladder if you like. But as I say, compounding uh, would allow your husband to benefit by most of those herbs put together. So there's some of the herbs that we'd think about. The second thing is, uh, interestingly, in what's called biochemic medicine developed by a Dr. Schuschler in the 19th century, uh, still a very popular uh, way of using uh, minerals in, in what we call a biochemic tradition. Uh, th- there is one of them called Kaili Myrrh, K A L I 
M-U-R, Kaylee myrrh, which means potassium chloride, but it comes in, in what's called a homeopathic potency, which is usually 6X. Now, this might sound a little bit esoteric, but let me just say there would be a lot of people out there, lay people, that would have in their medical chest or medicine chest a number of Dr. Schuschler's cell salts, as they're called, or biochemic remedies. That would be useful to append to it. They are very, very, very inexpensive and sometimes, sometimes remarkably effective wherever everything else fails. The only other thing I would say is that if he's a surfer and um, working hard with his nasal passages and sucking up a lot of salt water, etc., it's not a bad idea to um, supplement his diet with a biochemical, well, not with a biochemistry, with a flavonoidal supplement. Flavonoids are very protective of the mucous membranes. So bioflavonoids, um, a mixture made up of those herbs and potassium chloride in the biochemical cell salt pack. If that doesn't fix him up, well, you probably have to divorce him, Carolyn. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't do that, Justin. <laughs> okay, thank you very much for that. I've written that all down. Right, see how you all go. the very best with that. Now, um, Sally says that Scott, uh, Scott suffers from excessive oil on his scalp and hair. Do you have any suggestions for Ooh, him? That's uh, not an easy one uh, to answer, so perhaps... I'll have to have a private conversation with you. <laughs> I know right. where you live. <laughs> there you go. Well, Dennis, we've got time to talk about chamomile. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Well, in, in a few minutes, I'll do injustice to this herb. Uh, what I would say is that anyone who wants, and, and if there are practitioners out there or pharmacists that are interested in pursuing this, chamomile, unfortunately is seen by most people as a herb that is useful for addressing insomnia or sleeplessness, particularly in children. Yeah, a cup of mm. chamomile tea before you go to bed. Well, I've never found it useful, Jane. <laughs> I've never found it useful, but in the European tradition it's put forward yes. as being the most important remedy for treating every aspect of gut function, whether it be inflammatory, as in the case of reflux or ulceration, whether it has to do uh, with things like uh, allergenicity or food intolerance, we would call it. People who seem to drift from one level of intolerance to another level who are restricting from their diet multiple things, very frequently a perseverance with uh, using chamomile over a chronic period of time improves the, the uptake of nutrients from the gastrointestinal tract and lessens the uh, potential for food intolerance or allergenicity. All this, by the way, is adequately and credibly explained by the good Dr. Weiss. And the other thing about chamomile is it is a remarkable remedy in the la for the large bowel. Um, in conditions uh, of the large bowel, even things like uh, diverticulous spasm or pain, uh, milder levels of inflammation in conjunction here, in conjunction here, with even mainstream medication, and I know the ones that would be prescribed there, Meadowsweet is not a conflicting remedy, but it asserts a useful anti-inflammatory effect all the way through the gut, which extends even to the large bowel. There, together with slippery elm and any medical treatment, it's a useful thing to think about for people that are battling, particularly with large bowel disorders, 
that uh, are not responding as well as what their gastroenterologist would like. Think about chamomile, a chronic period of time on it, supported by daily use of the protective effect of slippery elm. Now, a chamomile is, of course, so very available. It is isn't indeed. It? If you're going to use it, in this case, it is probably better to have it in a solid form, that is, a capsule or a tablet, or see a medical herbalist who can dispense it in a liquid extract form in the dosage that's stipulated in such documents as the British Herbal Pharmacopoeia. On the other hand, if you just, just enjoy chamomile tea, go for it. It's great. <laughs> I can think of better things to drink, however. <laughs> and uh, uh, so it's, uh, is it better to have it at night before you go Look, to bed or any if, time if it's helping you uh, get to sleep, fine, go for it. I never found it effective with our kids, but th- they might have been particularly rebellious or noisy or uncooperative, probably not. Uh, but some people <laughs> claim that it is good. Look, if it helps, it helps. And maybe not only for kids. Not only for kids. Look, it's remarkable. What works for one person for insomnia doesn't work for another person. But I must say, I've seen a lot of people with insomnia over the years and I haven't really seen uh, chamomile surface as one that uh, is as good as other remedies. Okay, Mm. and we'll have to Mm. wait till next week to get on to those. We probably will. So thank you, Dennis Stewart. It was good, it was good. That is Health Naturally for today. We'll be back next Friday on 2NURFM.